Welcome, Impactful Parents. It's time for the Impactful Parenting Podcast, where I give you parenting tips and resources to make you a more impactful parent to your school-age child. I am your host, Christina Campos. Thank you to today's podcast sponsor, Kiss Naturals. Want to keep your kids off the screen and getting into some creative stuff? Have them make 100% natural, made in Canada, lip balms, soaps, bath bombs, and lava lip gloss. Your kids are going to beam with pride when they have completed their DIY project. Only $24.95 each. Please visit kissnaturals.com and use the promo code KIDFUN for an extra 20% off. See the show notes for a direct link. Welcome, Impactful Parents. Today we're going to be talking about the secret sauce to being a better parent. Hello, my name is Christina Campos. I'm founder of The Impactful Parent, and I help parents of school-age children turn their chaos into connection with their adolescent. I'm a mom of four kids, a teacher that has taught every grade from preschool through high school, and today I help moms and dads like yourself to navigate the exhausting, confusing, frustrating, but rewarding world of parenting. So welcome to The Impactful Parent. Let me introduce you to my co-host and best friend, Melissa Clark. Melissa is a mom of three and has been a teacher, a social worker, and a therapist, but Melissa found her true calling with gestalt coaching. And today, Melissa helps people heal past wounds and step into their best self with the gestalt method of therapy. Now, today's episode is all about the secret sauce to being a better parent, and I'd like to welcome in this episode a guest speaker. I'm really excited to have him. His name is William Vanderblomen. And William is the father of seven children. He's an entrepreneur and an author. And as a dad, William is constantly learning parenting lessons, uh, some that come hard and others that you can learn from others. And after taking note of his life experiences, William discovered the secret sauce formula for being a better parent. See, in his book, Be the Unicorn, it encompasses several traits that parents should be doing and teaching their kids to ensure success and happiness. So these people skills are important for both you and your child to learn. And I'm excited to have William on the Impactful Parent stage to teach us a little bit more about how we can all be a better parent. So thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Christina. Great to be with you and Melissa. And uh, as we all try and figure out this parenting thing together, right? All right. So I want to start off with the skills that your book talks about. And again, the book's name is Be the Unicorn. And there's these 12 skills I got to preview uh, the book and look at. And I was really fascinated. I love the concept of these books of the book. Um, can you give us just an overview of what these skills are so that the audience sure. can catch up with us? So I own an executive search firm. So companies hire us to find their best top talent, right? And uh, during the pandemic, when we had a little extra time on our hands, uh, we were able to drop back and realize that in, a, in any search we do, we have uh, lots of interviews, the, the very best candidates in a search, like eight or 10, we'll get a very long, detailed face-to-face -face interview. And we realized during the pandemic, we've now done 30,000 of those. And we've tracked all the data about how they do in the interview, what they do after the interview, how's their career gone. And I just wondered, you know, could we figure out who the best of the best are 
And then do they have anything in common? Because they're kind of like the people, I don't know um, if you've been there, Christina, where you run into somebody and within five minutes, you're like, I'm a fan. Winner, winner. Right. And I don't know what they're doing to me. Like, is it some kind of magic trick or something? Why I'm not that gullible. Why am I immediately ready to sign up for the email list and everything? There's something that the very most talented and magnetic people do in that first five minutes. And and the question we asked was, if we could identify the very best of the best we've ever interviewed out of 30,000 face-to-face, could we identify anything that they do in common? And that's what the genesis of uh, this book, Be the Unicorn, is. Uh, and, and we were pretty particular about how we named it. It's the 12 Habits data-driven habits that these unicorns, these sort of mythical, wonderful people tend to practice that almost all of the rest of us tend to ignore. And and they're not traits. It's not like, oh, you have to be six feet tall or have an IQ of this. They're not even, um, they're not even really skills because the skills would mean like I can run real fast or I can, uh, you know, hit a golf ball 300 yards or I can, whatever the thing is. No, these are habits that the best of the best practice that the rest of us kind of ignore. And because it's data driven, it's pretty cool. I mean, if you look at the list of these habits, you might go, duh, this is, everybody knows you ought to be these things. Um, It's kind of funny. The secondary title (laughs) joking in the house was if it didn't be the unicorn, maybe we should just title it. So I guess mom was right. Because oh, most of the things in this list are things that your mom probably told you growing up. You need to do this. You need, but but now we've got some data behind it. Like, no, this really is true. And uh, we you know we started this research project as an effort to become a better search firm. What we realized was we've uncovered a, a map for people to become outstanding, whether it's parenting or dating or at work or. You know, you're applying. I can't tell you how many moms have bought copies of this for their high school or college seniors that are getting ready to enter application world. How do you stand out in a crowd? So pretty cool little find. While we were on a rather selfish mission, we found something that we thought, oh, this might help a lot of people. I want to know which one or which of the few are the most important that you can tell us and talk to us about. So every one of these 12 habits is centered around how they're called human to human skills or soft skills. It's how we treat one another and how we treat one another very intentionally, not just be nice or be kind. And so there, there are 12 habits. I think which one's most important probably depends on which kid you're talking to. I mean, you know, you've got uh, four, I'm guessing they're four very different people, right? Melissa's got three. I'm guessing those are three very different people. You know, I, I think of, uh, uh, and, and I also think it's probably worth considering, is this a mom or a dad? I mean, you know, the, the, the things that I find uh, my kids need from me as a dad might be a little different than that from a mom. From a dad, it seems to be like, is dad paying attention to me? Did he notice? And did I make him proud? Like, that's the two big gears that you hear kids talk about in therapist's office with their issues with their dad. Oh, he never noticed. He wasn't proud of me. So, so in that instance, I look at like, okay, what's a way that I can, uh, what's a habit that I can practice that will help my kid know that I've noticed them and I'm proud of them. 
Uh, there are a ton of ways. One, one that comes to mind is uh, the, the be authentic. Now, being authentic as a dad means, you know, being real. Uh, but it also means, so one of the keys to authenticity and people believing that you are who you say you are is people feeling like you're listening to them. It's really interesting psychology. When people feel like you're actually listening to me, then they feel a connection and an authenticity that doesn't happen. If you're, you've probably seen the Simon Sinek talk where it's like, okay, talk to me for a minute. And I'm, I'm just, I'll be right off this phone here in just a second. Just talk to me. That's not paying attention. So, so a quick parenting hack, secret sauce right here. Ready? Okay. You want your kid to feel heard. You want them to think you're authentic. Look them in the eye. You say, well, wait, I'm going to do that all the time. Well, I'll start by putting the phone down and all that. But here's, this isn't even in the book. This is secret, secret sauce. Uh, what if you focused on one of their two eyes when you're looking at them? Because you can't really look at the middle of somebody's face and they don't think you're looking at them. Have you ever been with somebody where you go, they made me feel like I'm the only person in the room? Chances are they had outstanding eye contact. Now, it's a, a, a biological fact that 90% of all humans are right-eye dominant. We, we see with our right eye, we get a peripheral vision from our left, the 10% of the other way around. But when you encounter somebody, you have a 9 in 10 chance of being able to look right into their right eye, like I'm trying to look into that Zoom camera right now. And, and when you do that, you're like, wow, they focused on me. Simple hack simple habit very few people practice it it takes some intentionality but but when you do that people are gonna your kids are gonna feel ah mom's more authentic dad's more believable they're listening to me they noticed so it's little tweaks and habits that are really easy to ignore but when you lift them up and uh when you go through the book you'll see tangible steps for practicing each of these habits i i think you'll run across some secret sauce to parenting Oh my gosh, I love this so much. It's funny that you bring up the eye contact thing because I was just playing with my middle daughter and she was doing that. Like, and you, when you're looking at somebody and the eyes going back and forth, and it was like a game for us. So that was really sweet. I'm curious if there's anything in your research that you found that you were surprised by after interviewing 30,000 people. That's a lot. What were yeah. Yeah. Great question, Melissa. I think what uh, surprised me most was the fact that the common denominator among the best of the best was just habits of how to treat people. I mean, I thought, you know, best of the best. Okay. Who's that? Probably they all have an IQ of 150 or better, right? Uh, no, that wasn't it. Probably they're all really tall, right? <laughs> Maybe they all went to a good school and had good networking. It was none of those. It wasn't even as simple as he was the quarterback. She was the head cheerleader. It's none of that. And, and these common denominators in our research cut across all socioeconomic boundaries, all intelligence and pedigree. It basically gets down to how you treat others. And these, these are 12 very intentional habits that the best tend toward and the rest of us ignore. And they're, the, they're kind of the difference makers. So, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, we've completed uh, 3,000 searches here. And I was talking to some of our most seasoned search consultants and we were kicking around, you know, hey, what's the difference maker when it gets down to two people about who gets the job and who doesn't? And the the overwhelming answer was, oh, that's easy. It's the one who plays well with others. 
And it, I mean, it's like playground rules. <laughs> the one who's intentional and treats others well, in this case, 12 very distinct, intentional ways of treating people, uh, it, it causes them to stand out of the crowd. And I, I think if parents will practice them, their kids will feel a little better parented. Doesn't mean you're going to have it down perfect, but at least these are some ways to make your kid feel like, wow, they are really, really good. So I'm taking a look at the list. And as I'm looking at the list, you know, I wonder as a parent, like how, you know, how would I teach that? How would I pass that trait on? And the majority of the time, my first thing is, oh, well, you have to role model it. You you have to walk right. the walk yourself. But beyond that, I'd like for you to give us some suggestions on how we can teach some of these skills. And I don't want to, you know, give away all 12. I want people to go to the book and check them out. But uh, for example, uh, one of the 12 is to be self-aware. And yeah. I really think that is a huge skill that everybody needs. And to be honest, not fully mastered until you're probably over the age of 40 because it just takes so long to really get so self-aware of who you are. Um, and that's a hard skill to, again, pass on or teach to your kids. So do you have any anything that you can can tell us about how how would we take something like that to be self-aware and and how do we pass that on and really apply wow. that in our parenting to be better? Well, you know, you picked a really fascinating one, uh, Christina, the self-aware habit. So so we took the 30,000 unicorns that we know and we surveyed them and we, big, long survey. But one of the things we asked was force rank these 12 habits. Which one do you think you're best at? Which one do you think you're worst at? Uh, Self-awareness ranked lowest. Like now, the interesting thing is these people are self-aware. <laughs> so the more you become self-aware, the more you realize, oh, I'm not. Oh, and the and the converse is true because we surveyed a quarter million people as well as the unicorns asked similar questions. Ninety three percent of every normal person we surveyed said that they're above average at self-awareness. Now, like I'm not a mathematician, but 93 percent of a group is not above average. Fifty <laughs> percent is above average. Fifty percent is below. That's just what average means. So what does that mean? Self-awareness. The people who have some self-awareness like, oh, my gosh, I got to work on that more. Everybody else is like, I got it down. It's a total blind spot. So how do you go learn something that's a blind spot? Well, let's let's use self-awareness as an example. There has never been a time where it is easier to tap into self-awareness than before. You can take the Enneagram online. You can take the disk inventory online. If you have real issues where you need to go do some hard work on yourself, it's never been more widely accepted than now to go get some help, right? So I think teaching self-awareness means pointing your kids towards some of these things that, that can help you see where your blind spots are. Interesting that you bring it up. We uh, actually developed a software tool. We hired some psychologists. We hired data scientists. We said, how do we build a tool that would let people know how they're doing in each of these 12 habits stacked against normal people and against unicorns? So we built that out. And then we built a cool little um, 360 that families can take together. So like you as a family, you all take it and then your kids take it about you and you take it about your kids. And all of a sudden you've got this really, uh, it might might not be, fun for some families, but uh, you've got this crystal clear picture of my, my kids don't think I respond to them. 
I thought I was pretty good at that. My kids think I'm really good at being productive and getting things done. I didn't realize that. So there's a lot of uh, avenues to self-awareness. One of them is the software assessment tool we built around this. It also gives you a pretty clear development plan for like, okay, I'm behind in these three. I need to get better. I'm ahead in these three. Let's work on them and build it out. So hopefully each chapter in the book is divided into three sections. A case study of this particular skill, uh, what we learned interviewing the unicorns we know, and then how you apply that and develop a, a very clear tactile plan for getting better at each of these habits. I love that it's not just information, it's also action plans. Anything that has like an action to it, like you're actually going to do something is great. And before I let Melissa ask your question, which I know she has one for you, um, I wanted to clarify or have you clarify the first, um, the first, you didn't say there were skills, but this first, uh, what did you call habit with the first habit? And it is the fast. So I think when somebody is going to start the book and they look at that and they're like the fast. Yeah. Can you explain what you meant by what kind of habit are you talking about when you're trying to be? Yeah. So if I'm being really honest, that title is a bit of a clickbait. Uh, Is it because I'm not fast. I'm Dutch. We're we're built for wind. We're not uh, built for speed. Right. So um, it really ought to be titled the responsive. The unicorns we interviewed were predisposed toward getting back to people quickly. And most of the rest of us don't. And it's no different in parenting. I mean, how many times have you heard of somebody saying, my dad never got back to me. I reached out to him. He never wrote me back. He never acknowledged that I was reaching out. And teenagers are pretty bad at knowing how to reach out, but they think they're doing a great job. And and parents delay that. We looked at... Um, Response time for salespeople who get new leads, it's not as good as it nearly as good as it should be. We looked at response times for eHarmony. If you remember the old, old, like it's the OG of Tinder and all that, you know, the swipe, swipe. Uh, it, it, people who are on a website who are genuinely lonely looking for a relationship, they take forever to get back to uh, a potential match when it comes in. And I think parents are the same way. I think if if parents will respond quickly to their children, even if it's no, <laughs> they will rise to the top because most of us are pretty bad at getting back to people. The unicorns are driven to do it right away. I love that so much. And that's so funny because it's usually a like New Year's resolution for me because I'm horrible at getting back to people, right? I think that I get back to them because I read what they say and I respond in my head because I come up with the answer, but I actually never do. So I love that that's on the top. And this might be the same answer for this question, but I'm curious if you could pick one habit to recommend people to start with, which one would it be? I'd probably say self-awareness. I mean, I know we already hit on that, but like interviewing therapist after therapist, like so much of what we're all working through is family of origin stuff. And if I had known myself a little better when my 30-year-old were three, he'd have turned out better. He just would have. If I'd have known my operating system from my family of origin and what makes me do what I do, I think he would have turned out better. I think our our younger kids have a little better shot because we're 
you know, first of all, I don't know everything. I knew everything when I had my first kid. Uh, now I don't know much at all. And, uh, but I do have a better handle on, you know, what, what are my, uh, what are my issues and why do I do what I do? And if that's a, a, uh, I think for parents, that might be the most logical place to start. What if you have a very young child? Now we're school age parents here at the Impactful Parent, but we still could have a six-year-old and they'd be in school. So let's say they were, we have parents on the younger end of, of parenting, um, the early side, where should you start if, if self-awareness is not uh, where you're at quite yet, even in life? The solver is one of the habits. There's uh, Unicorns are solution-oriented, and that means uh, being able to ask the the why behind what's going on. It's also a curious is another habit of unicorns, um, which, you know, I think as parents of really young kids, you get tired of curiosity because how many thousands of times have you heard why, 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 why? It's what every little kid asks. But, but the solver, because kids create problems and, you know, you're worried you're in trouble and you're going to get yelled at. What if you were a parent who were known as, okay, I, you brought me a problem. Let's figure out the solution. That doesn't mean a life without consequences for bad decisions. But what if the kids came to you with their trouble knowing mom is going to be on the side of trying to figure out the solution? Most of us as humans are live on the problem side of the equation, not the solution side. We want to point out what's wrong. We want to say what needs to be fixed rather than how do we find a path forward? Now, I'm going to challenge you with this because I love that answer for the younger kids who really are looking for parents to help them. But then you fast forward about 10 years and that 16-year-old does not necessarily want mom and dad's advice and they do not necessarily want you to be a solver. They want you to be more of a, a listener, somebody they can vent to, somebody definitely that's a safe space but a lot of times the solving kind of overruns. Yes. <laughs> and then yes. and then you have a conflict with a teenager. So a different scenario, a different time of your parenting life. But now you have this young adult and maybe the um, the objective is not to solve their problems anymore. It's just to connect with them. I just want my teenager to freaking like me, you know, or listen half the time would be great. You know, like if you're that parent and you're there, what, what would you recommend would we start with? Yeah. Well, first of all, one lesson I learned the hard way is uh, back to responsiveness and speed. I didn't realize with our first kids, when you have a teenager show up at night and want to hang out and talk, you need to go ahead and talk because they don't ever want to talk. If you get the chance, you take it. And that means responding right away. And that might mean you've had the best date night in the world and y'all just got home and you got a teenager who wants to talk. Guess what you're doing? You're talking to your teenager, right? So that, that'd be one piece. The second piece I'd say, which I think is something I'm learning. And I didn't, I mean, you guys probably cover this. You're talking about school age kids. I didn't realize a friend of mine who's a counselor said to me one time, William, you know, you're going to have so much more time as a parent of adult children than you will as parents of children in your house. And it, it, that was like, 
you know, like I never even thought of that. And, and the shift I've had to make as our kids get older is to, here's the habit for unicorns, be curious, ask questions, don't give answers. Is it, you know, what's the, um, is it Mark Twain who said, you know, when I was 18, my dad was the dumbest man alive. And by the time I was 21, I was amazed how much he'd learned in three years. Oh, uh, you know, it's like they, they know everything and not to go throw back on music, but like they're just sitting there thinking parents just don't understand. Right. If if you can answer with a question and ask good questions, you leave the door open uh, for somebody who might think with a little suspicion. Oh, you just don't understand. I, I think back to, you know, I, I gain a lot of my uh, North Star for life in looking at how Jesus lived. Okay, that's just my own personal thing. Everybody's got their own thing, right? But that's me. And what's amazing to me, somebody said, I'm going to get the numbers on this wrong, but the the ratios are about right. Uh, somebody said to me in the last year or so, you know, Jesus was asked 120 questions, according to the Bible. And 90 times he was asked questions out of the 120, he answered with a question. I thought, how interesting. And what a cool parenting tip. Yes. And And I think if you just frame that, Everyone listening today is smart enough to figure out, you know, how can I answer a question with a question? And and the question you don't ask your teenage kids is, why in the stinking stink did you do that? That's not the question, right? <laughs> yeah. So thank you for missing. Thank no. you for all of that that you just said. Yeah. Like all oh, little. I can't it, tell you it, how many times I'm always asked telling parents here, ask questions, ask questions. What I'm trying to learn to do, Christina, is a bit of a daily audit of my interaction with my older kids, how many times did I tell them what they should do versus how many times did I ask them a question? And I, I, I don't know that 90 out of 120 is the right ratio, but it's certainly not. Tell them a bunch of things and just ask a few questions. So I think curiosity is a great liberator to conversation because you don't come off with this know-it-all. You're actually the one asking them for information. And it, it sort of frees up an older kid to be able to tell you what they're thinking, even though their frontal lobe is not fully developed and won't be until they're 25 years old. If I have a 14-year-old that is kind of struggling with interacting with others, and needing some of those habits and skills to be able to re relate to others. Do you think that this is an appropriate book? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I didn't realize it when we wrote it, but I got a feeling there's going to be not like chicken soup for the soul, but not far from it, like unicorn for teenagers, unicorn for, and kind of customize it because uh, it really just cuts across any and all parts of life. I did not write this to be difficult to read. It's it should be highly accessible. My high school seniors reading it right now for her college applications. She chose to do that. And uh, it's kind of cool to see how it cuts across all kinds of uh, age barriers. Thank you for joining us today, Impactful Parents. Here's some announcements. Don't forget the Impactful Parents special parent education event this week. Every week, our topic changes. And this week, we're going to be talking about when picky eating goes too far. And I'm going to be discussing restrictive eating disorder. So if this is a topic that interests you, join me live on Zoom either Sunday evening or Wednesday at lunch. You can register at theimpactfulparent.com slash parent education. Remember that this episode is just a small part of the Impactful Parent. Also available are online courses, parent support groups, coaching services, and the Impactful Parent app. Find out more by going to theimpactfulparent.com. 
To find out more about Melissa's coaching and therapy services for all ages, go to fireandrainscoaching.com. Become a more impactful parent and download the Impactful Parent app. The Impactful Parent app is free, so you can carry help and tips and parenting resources right in your pocket. Discover new techniques to make your parenting more effective and get parenting resource, resources that will make your life a lot easier. Download the app today. You got nothing to lose since it's a free download. And you can do that at theimpactfulparent.com or the app store on your phone. So search for The Impactful Parent and I'll be there. But until next time, you got this, parents. I'm just here to help. Thank you to today's podcast sponsor, Kiss Naturals. Want to keep your kids off the screen and getting into some creative stuff? Have them make 100% natural, made in Canada, lip balms, soaps, bath bombs, and lava lip gloss. Your kids are going to beam with pride when they have completed their DIY project. Only $24.95 each. Please visit kissnaturals.com and use the promo code KIDFUN for an extra 20% off. See the show notes for a direct link. Thank you for listening today. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And don't forget, the Impactful Parenting Podcast is an extension of the Impactful Parent community. Go to the Impactful Parent website and download the free Impactful Parent app so you don't miss a parenting tip that can help you and your family. Thanks for listening today. So go to theimpactfulparent.com and see you next episode.